This is part two, and the concluding message of the two-part episode entitled An Unleashed Tale of Terror, written by Aaron Robbins. If you haven't listened to the first part of this two-part message, now is the perfect time to pause this episode and play the previous episode entitled Story 12A. Start. Story 12A Start is the first part of this story and a great place to start. Thank you. Thank you for calling back. In the event your message was cut off, truncated or otherwise unfinished, please continue leaving the details of your odd or unusual account now. Greetings, Mr. Erie. This is Jason Barker, but everyone calls me Jay. I was in the middle of explaining what happened to my grandson, Ethan Barker, and myself, when your message machine cut me off. Well, here's the rest of the odd events that transpired when Ethan came to stay with me for the summer. You already know Ethan was out on the front porch fixing up the scratches and gashes in the front door caused by what appeared to be a midnight bicycle joyride. Well, here's the rest of the story, as I wrote it down when my grandson told me everything. Next to Ethan on the porch was a can of red paint, a fresh one too. Grandpa Jay had opened it for him using a little silver key that resembled a wishbone. Keep it on the door, Grandpa Jay said when he left Ethan with the paint, a brush, and a washboard-sized metal tray for cleaning. You got it, Ethan replied as he dipped the brush into the paint, scraped the excess on the can's rim, and then cupped his free hand under the brush as he moved the dipped bristles toward the door. The first few strokes went on easy, and Ethan felt good about his work. He also felt good about helping his grandpa. Sure, he hadn't caused the scratches, but his bike had. Even though he wasn't riding it, he figured the bike was his responsibility, so fixing things it damaged was his responsibility, too. Maybe he should have locked it up. Maybe he should have known the wind and leaves at the Barker farmstead blew in mysterious ways. Ways that caused bikes to take a midnight ride around the yard ultimately crashing into the front door Ethan was now painting. Looks like a brand new door, Ethan said, pleased at how he'd managed to smooth away the brush strokes. Just as Ethan was admiring his work, a gust of wind blew through his hair. It rattled the thin wire handle on the paint can and carried a rustling sound he recognized as leaves. Ethan turned to look at the yard. Leaves swirled as if directed by a small, invisible tornado. They twisted up into the air around the power line pole near the road and then swirled through the yard toward Ethan. The leaves danced up the front porch steps and around Ethan and the painting supplies. Get off me, Ethan said. And they did. The tumble of excited leaves swirled around his torso and back into the yard, where they swooped around a small tree and headed back toward Ethan. Go on, Ethan said to the airborne pile. Get! Ethan looked at the door, concerned the leaves would fly into his paint job and ruin it, or worse, stick to the door's wet paint. He'd have to remove them, peeling them off one by one. Stay away from the door, Ethan said. You caused all this trouble, I'm just trying to fix it. At that, the leaves drooped and crawled along the porch in some sort of apologetic posture. 
It's fine, Ethan said. I'm fixing it, aren't I? Now go play in the yard. Then the leaves lifted with a breeze, swirled around Ethan and around the paint bucket. The force and movement of the leaves was enough to lift the red paint bucket off the porch and carry it off, out into the yard. Hey, Ethan said, bring that back. The leaves moved the paint can through the air like a swarm of bees with a pail of honey. Droplets of paint fell onto the grass. Stop, Ethan said. The cluster of leaves came to a hovering stop. Put the paint can down, Ethan said, trying to sound very grown up. I mean it. Just then, the leaves darted off toward the driveway, and Ethan followed them with his eyes. Ahead, he could see their path, and his heart shivered with terror. The leaves, dragging a can of red paint, were headed right for Grandpa Jay's truck. No, Ethan said, leaping off the porch and running toward the truck. Out of the corner of his eye, Ethan saw the paint bucket carried by the leaves swirl around the road, out past the sidewalk, and then back toward the truck. Thin ribbons of red paint spilled from the bucket, creating lines on the grass and gravel. Ethan wasn't concerned about the mess in the yard. Grass could be cut, and gravel could be replaced. His only concern was keeping the paint off the truck. Instinct took over, and he noticed a large rock next to the porch. He figured if he could hit the paint can with the rock, he might knock it over before it reached the truck. He picked up the rock and aimed for the paint bucket, channeling the skills he'd picked up during the one year he played Little League. The rock left his hand like a rocket. It sailed toward the paint can, but missed high, flying just above the leaves out into the road. To Ethan's surprise, the group of leaves holding the paint can stopped their advance toward the truck. Then they veered toward the rock, spilling paint in that direction. Whoa, Ethan thought. The leaves liked the rock, or the fact that I threw it. An idea formed in his mind. Maybe he could use this to his advantage. He threw another rock toward the shed. The leaves, seemingly enchanted, followed the rock, dragging the paint can with them. Good, he thought. Now I just need to throw one inside the shed, then run over and shut the door. He picked up another rock and threw it as hard as he could. The rock hit the corner of the house and bounced back, landing in the bed of Grandpa Jay's truck. The group of leaves pulling the paint can jerked forward, following the rock's path, dripping red paint as they moved toward the truck. Ethan saw it clearly. The leaves were about to drag the paint right over the truck leaving a splattered stripe down the middle like a skunk with a flare for color. Ethan knew he had to act quickly. Instinctively, he ran toward the truck and pulled on the door handle. It was unlocked. As he climbed inside, the dashboard flickered with small arcs of electricity, and the radio spontaneously turned on, playing a song about a hound dog. The keys were nowhere in sight, but it didn't matter. The engine roared to life. Ethan had watched Grandpa Jay drive the truck for hours the other day, so he knew where all the right levers were. He shifted into reverse and eased off the brake, just as the paint can, borne by the leaves, was closing in. Just before the paint can hit the truck bed, Ethan cranked the wheel hard left and hit the gas. The truck lurched, and the front end swerved to the right just as the leaves and paint can flew by. The streams of dripping paint missed the truck's side by not more than an inch. The truck was safe. Ethan exhaled in relief. 
But before he'd blown out the relaxed breath, the truck came to a jarring stop. Ethan heard a thunk, followed by a cracking sound. Looking in the rearview mirror, Ethan saw his worst nightmare come true. He'd backed into the wood power pole. Oh no, Ethan said. What did I do? He jumped out of the truck and ran to the back. There was a dent in the bumper and a large crack in the pole. The air buzzed, occasionally punctuated by snaps of electricity. Ethan Barker, he heard his name coming from the porch. Walk towards me, don't touch anything, just walk. Ethan turned toward the porch, his heart heavy with the knowledge that Grandpa Jay would be there, and also knowing he couldn't quite explain the events that had just happened. He walked slowly, watching Grandpa Jay's face shift from concern to relief, then finally to anger. When Ethan got to the porch steps, he told Grandpa Jay what had happened. Honestly, he said, the paint was spilling everywhere and I was just trying to protect your truck. Grandpa Jay's eyes moved over Ethan's shoulder toward the yard. Ethan turned to survey the scene as well. There were no leaves, no breeze, just a stream of red paint leading to an empty can rolling down the driveway toward a banged-up truck. Sometimes when we try to protect things, Grandpa Jay said, we end up just making them worse. Ethan was grounded until the weekend, and he agreed to do extra chores to pay for the truck's dented bumper. At dinner, he nibbled at a hamburger, cooked on the grill since the power was out. His thoughts lingered on the truck, on the leaves. Yet, he remained silent. Can I be excused? he asked. I'll do the dishes later. Grandpa Jay nodded, saying it had been a long day and that he'd take care of the dishes tonight. From the window in his room, Ethan could see the street and the damaged power pole. He wondered about the extent of the trouble he'd caused. But Grandpa Jay had mentioned most folks had generators. Still, it was as dark outside as it had been the night before. The electric company would come in the morning and Ethan hoped the leaves would keep their distance. Before bed, Ethan rummaged through the room. The books didn't interest him, so he explored the old desk under the window. In a drawer, he found some old pens, a stapler, and some mail he felt it wasn't right to read. But something shiny at the back caught his eye. He reached in for it, but it was buried deep. Ethan got down on his knees and bent sideways to get more reach. His hands grabbed onto something smooth, dotted by irregular jagged bits. Finally, he pulled it from the desk drawer. It was a bone, made of plastic or nylon, chewed and worn with age. He turned the bone over and saw a name he recognized. Baxter. It was the same name as the one on the front door frame where the height marks were. Baxter must have been Grandpa Jay's dog long ago. Maybe when Grandpa Jay was about Ethan's age. Ethan considered asking Grandpa about it, but decided against it due to the events of the day and lateness of the hour. So he lay in bed, flipping the bone in his hands, contemplating the old dog. What had happened to it and why there were no dogs on the farm now? Not long into those thoughts, Ethan fell asleep. He awoke to the sound of leaves rustling and tapping against the glass. Go away, he whispered to them. They had caused enough trouble. But the leaves didn't leave. 
Instead, they struck the window with more force. Ethan resisted the urge to open it, knowing they'd just come in and cause havoc. So he picked up the old bone and tapped the glass with it. To his surprise, the leaves settled into a neat pile on the windowsill, with just a few in the back swaying back and forth. What do you want? he asked softly. You want the bone? The leaves swirled softly. Ethan was about to lift the bone when he heard a truck outside. It wasn't Grandpa's truck. This one was larger, laden with equipment, and the writing on the door read, Greason Power and Electric. Ethan ran downstairs to tell Grandpa Jay about the arrival of the electric company, but he wasn't there. A note said he'd gone to town to fix the truck's bumper. Ethan heard the workers outside unloading equipment. He went to the window, trying to hear them, but couldn't. So he unlatched and lifted the window. With it open, he could hear every word they were saying, even over the clanging of backup beeps and the unloading of gear. Careful not to be seen, he didn't want the workers to know he was eavesdropping. Ethan stood to the side of the window and peered out. He could see the crew in their hard hats and yellow vests. One of them looked familiar. He was tall and thin and had a certain stance about him. When the man removed his hard hat, Ethan saw the slicked-back hair of that man from the barbecue stand. Owen, Ethan said, thinking he'd remembered the man's name right. Owen pointed at the damaged pole and then motioned for the other crew members to gather around. Old Jay Barker's grandkid, he said. That's who crashed into the pole, knocked out the entire block. Another worker, pointing at the sagging power line, asked about why the pole was missing from the lot next door. You don't know? Owen asked the man. The man shook his head no. Ethan was glad because he didn't know either. The workers gathered around Owen, who plunged a shovel into the dirt and rested his arms on its handle. Okay, Owen said, here's the story. When I was about 12, my dad was stringing up new power lines right down this street. Old man Jay, just a kid then, too, had this dog just two years old, you know? Not a puppy anymore, so it should have known better. Anyway, that dog was a real spitfire, always wanted to play and tore around the yard trying to set a land speed record. So my old man is up there on the ladder with live wires, and that dog's barking because he wanted to play or something. No leash on and no little Jay to hold it even if there was one. Well, finally, along comes young Jay pedaling a bike looking lost. Get your mutt, says Dad. Gets Jay all flustered, who was out trying to find the dog's bone somewhere. Lost it, I guess. Get rid of the dog or I will, Dad says again. But Jay swears the pooch just wants to play and won't calm down without its bone. So Jay hops off the bike and is about to grab the mutt when a branch from an old tree falls and lands right next to the dog. Must have thought it was his bone because that dog picked up the branch, leaves and all, and starts dragging it around the empty lot. Another fella on the job goes to get the dog while it's distracted. The dog snaps at him. Old Jay tries to call the dog off, but he won't listen, not without that bone. So the guy tries to grab the dog, but it bolts before he can, dragging that tree branch and leaves with it. The dog was running around like a leafy runaway train, if you know what I mean. Runs around the ladder my old man was on, and bam, the tree branch knocks into it. Swoosh! And down goes Dad and the ladder, live wire and all. Dad's fine, broke his arm in two places, but that dog's still raising a ruckus trying to get someone to play with it. And the whole time, Jay's searching for that bone to get the dog to settle. 
Well, right then, my old man says that dog took a snap at him right for his neck. Jay will tell you differently, but dad says the dog took a teethy crack at him. So my old man, who was quicker than the wind, takes that live wire in his hand and shocked that old mutt right there in that empty lot. Zapped him dead. Even burned up the branch and leaves in that poor mutt's mouth. Craziest thing. And that's why, you see, we don't put poles up there anymore. Some say it's Jay being stubborn, holding a grudge. Won't let anyone near the lot. Others, like me, say the land's got a mean streak. Touch it, and it'll bite you with a good shock, just like the dog who died on it got. Jay doesn't believe it none and says my old man is to blame. But if you ask me, that dog's spirit's still there looking for someone to play with. Ethan couldn't believe the story he'd just heard, and the looks on the workmen's faces said they couldn't either. Owen waved off their criticisms like he was sure of the truth, then opened the electric company truck door and rummaged through the front seat. A second later, Owen turned back toward the group, and Ethan could see he was now holding a large piece of old paper. Look at this, Owen said. Made a copy of it at the library years ago. Says what I just said, doesn't it? The men watching reached out for the paper, but just as they did, a gust of wind and a tumble of leaves blew up from the ground and took the oversized sheet of paper into the sky. Ethan watched as the old library article fluttered around in the sky, swirling with the leaves. A gust blew the paper and leaves into the open door of the Greason utility truck. The leaves rustled around the seat and dash. And then, to Ethan's surprise, the truck's lights came on and the engine started. The power company workers scrambled to get into the truck, but before they could, the doors shut and locked. All they could do was hold on. None of them could, of course. Ethan watched as they slipped off the truck one by one, their legs tumbling onto the ground. Just then, he thought about the turkey leg he'd thrown from his grandpa's truck and the bone he'd found upstairs. Ethan ran upstairs to his room to get Baxter's bone. He'd put it back in the drawer, right where he'd found it. And Ethan was glad he did because he didn't have a second to spare looking for it. With the bone in hand, Ethan looked out the window. The leaf-driven truck was driving in circles, narrowly missing the electrical company workers who were trying to stop it. Then he heard another truck in the distance. Ethan looked down the road and saw Grandpa Jay returning, likely with a new bumper for his truck. Grandpa's going to hit that truck or it's going to hit him, Ethan said. Ethan rushed downstairs and out the front door. Workers shouted warnings as he darted into the road, waving the bone in the air. The truck skidded to a halt in front of him, leaving black marks on the road. You want this? Ethan asked, waving the bone. The leaves inside the truck stirred. Come and get it. Ethan coaxed the leaves, tapping the driver's side window. Come on! The window rolled down and the leaves inside the cab seemed ready to pounce on the bone. But before they could, Ethan threw the bone with all his might, sending it soaring over the truck into the empty lot behind it. The leaves streamed out of the window and chased after the bone. The pile of leaves didn't make it to the empty lot because the next thing Ethan heard stopped them in their tracks. It wasn't an odd sound. In fact, Ethan had heard it many times before. 
Every year when his dad raked the fallen leaves into a pile, Ethan would get to jump into it, filling the air with a soft, crunching crumple. It's a good sound, on most days anyways. It's the sound of fall, the sound of something old meeting something new. And it was that fall sound Ethan heard right beside the electric company's truck. Just as the leaves blew out of the truck's driver's side window, Grandpa Jay, no doubt in a hurry to see what all the commotion on the street was about, plowed through the leaves with such force it was like a semi-truck barreling through a pile of loose homework. The leaves were torn into pieces and fluttered to the ground. Grandpa Jay's truck came to an abrupt stop, the door swinging open before the truck had even stopped rocking to a rest. What's happening? Grandpa Jay yelled. What are y'all doing in the middle of the road? It's Baxter, Ethan replied. Then he looked up and saw that Grandpa Jay was confused. It's your dog, Grandpa. It's Baxter. He's in the leaves and he's hurt badly. No, Grandpa said firmly. That dog, that dog is gone. I know it. I know it was my fault. Poor pup had too much energy and I didn't make the time for it. At that moment, a new figure loomed over Ethan. He glanced past his grandpa and saw Owen placing a hand on Grandpa Jay's shoulder. It's true, Owen said. I can't explain it, but your dog's spirit is in those leaves. No, Grandpa Jay insisted. Your father killed that dog. I blame myself, but he's gone. This is nothing but a mishandled electrical job. Y'all couldn't fix a flashlight even if I handed you the batteries. Ethan gazed up at Grandpa Jay. His voice was mad, but his face was broken. Grandpa, I know it's hard to believe, but Baxter is in those leaves, Ethan said. Grandpa Jay remained still, his expression unchanging. Then it was Owen who moved. I'll show you, Owen announced, removing his hand from Grandpa's shoulder and starting toward the empty lot. Owen, no, Grandpa Jay called out with caution in his voice. What are you doing? Don't go into that lot. That's your dog and I'm going to prove it, Owen said, his tone determined. Ethan watched as Owen ventured into the lot, seemingly unaffected by the supposed electrified ground. Ethan didn't know if he should take comfort in that or not. Plus, Owen was probably wearing some sort of special work boots. Then, Owen halted and stooped. Ethan assumed he had located the bone. Suddenly, a small flash illuminated the area as electricity snapped from the earth to Owen's hand. He shouted from the jolt, yet rose with the bone firmly in grasp. You okay? Grandpa Jay yelled. I'm fine, just a weak shock, Owen replied. Owen walked back to the road and sat down with Ethan and the pile of leaves. He held out the bone to Grandpa Jay, who took it. The leaves rustled and reached for the bone as Grandpa Jay held it out. The leaves fluttered at the bone like they were being blown by a child's breath. Grandpa Jay moved the bone just before the leaves touched it and then held it in a different spot. The leaves fluttered to the new location and flopped at the bone. After a few times, Grandpa Jay let the leaves have the bone. As the torn pile rolled with the bone, it was plain to see the color was leaving them. He's passing, Owen said. No, Ethan said. He'll be okay. Grandpa Jay put his hand on Ethan's shoulder. Owen's right, he said. It's time. Grandpa Jay put his hands on the leaves and rustled them much like he rustled Ethan's hair on the drive to the farm. You were a good dog, full of life. I'm sorry I didn't look after you better. Grandpa Jay said. Then Owen reached out and touched the leaves. I'm sorry too, he said, for everything. 
A spark of electricity jumped from Owen's hand into the leaves. Then the wind picked up, and the leaves swirled into the air, forming a small funnel of dried foliage. The mess of leaves rose higher and higher into the sky before they disappeared into the sun. Then the bone dropped from the sky and bounced in front of Grandpa Jay. Ethan wiped away tears. Is he gone? I think so, Grandpa Jay said, patting his head. He was a good boy, Owen said, standing up. Yes, he was, Grandpa Jay agreed. In the weeks following the incident at the farmstead, Ethan worked with Grandpa Jay, Owen, and the town to set up the Baxter Barker Memorial Dog Park in the once empty lot. It wasn't a big town, so not many dogs came when it opened toward the end of summer. But the town celebrated. It even had a ribbon cutting that Ethan got to use a giant pair of scissors for. At the far corner of the dog park nearest to the shed is a little slab of concrete pressed with the texture of leaves. Attached to the slab is Baxter's bone and below it a small plaque with something Grandpa Jay wrote engraved on it. There is a bark in every breeze and the wag of happy excitement in every falling leaf. How kind of fall to remind us all of everything the wind has carried away. We wait for something that the wind will surely bring for the leaves to rustle again for this is the promise of spring. And then at the bottom, at Ethan's suggestion, it concluded with one word. Woof. Dear Mr. Barker, or should I say Barkers, thank you for sharing your account of Baxter and the Breeze. You may harbor a great many questions about how leaves become enchanted or where they go when they're blown away. While I shall not delve into the how, as many volumes have been penned on the subject of arboreal enchantments, I will address the where. It may please you to know that there exists a forest of perpetual spring where the leaves of dogs, cats, goldfish and more flutter and twirl amongst radiant canopies embraced by the lightest of airs. It's a place devoid of past woes where the simple joys of an easy breeze shape a life that a dog like Baxter surely would have lots to bark about. Many inquire, how do I reach this forest? Oddly enough, most people asking this question are not pets, therefore accessing it is hard but not impossible. On a crisp autumn day, find the largest pile of leaves you can and take into both hands the biggest clump of them you can. Throw the leaves into the air. As the sky fills with snow-like flakes of green, yellow and orange, close your eyes and think of the animal you miss and for a brief moment, you may just feel their tail, whiskers, bubbles, or scales. Fall, after all, is for those with heavy hearts, but like the nudge of a wet nose, spring surely comes to lighten them. Be well, Barkers, wishing your dog park many wagging tails. Mr. Edward Erie, Chief Uncoverneer, 
Mr. Eerie's disturbing detective agency. While that concludes another message from Mr. Eerie's mystery series, it's not the end of our appointment. If you've enjoyed this message and would like to keep independent detective agencies like ours happy and haunt-free, please leave a rating or review and share this show with everyone you know. If you are ready to take a deeper step into the world of Mr. Eerie, consider becoming an Eerie enlistee. Subscribers will be assigned at least two exclusive training episodes a month taken directly from the hard-to-keep-on-shelves field guide entitled Mr. Eerie's Empty Book of Everything. Get ready for a roller coaster ride of sips and surprises that will leave you thirsty for more. Your career at the Disturbing Detective Agency awaits. Accept the challenge today by subscribing as an Eerie enlistee in the Apple Podcasting app. Your support is more valuable than you know and would mean the world to our agents. Thank you for listening and, as always, we wish you an undisturbing day.